Hello, friends. Welcome to that time again. You know what time it is. I don't have to say it every time. It's Jeff Stuckey in the shotgun position. Greg Allen. Got my hands on the wheel, Jeff. Hope so, <laughs> motherfucker, because this is going to be a, a bumpy one. I'm going to try and keep you on the road. Cool. Here we have a guest today. Yes. Tell us a, about Claire. Uh, you'll tell us about I, Claire's just one of my best friends, man. I think she's awesome. I have been bugging her for a long time to come on the podcast, and she now owes me favors, so I'm cashing the motherfuckers <laughs> in. Okay. You've been on my podcast. I know. So I, like a couple of times. Yeah. So you owe me a few. Okay. Cool. Um, you want to? Is there a few words you would like to say about no, I mean, our guest? Yeah, Claire's a good friend of mine as well. <coughs> uh, her and my wife do a lot of stuff together. We actually went on a cruise together, got to know each other there. That we was did. Good. We went on vacation together. That is one of the weirdest fucking things that I have ever heard in my life. I'm not going to lie. It was. That made no sense to me. Me and Mary and then three, or f- three of our other friends, three yeah. of our other girlfriends and Greg. And I'm saying... I don't, from an outsider's perspective, it was like the island of misfits toys take a cruise. Is that a fair? Yeah, that's yeah. somewhat. I yeah, mean, we're a weird friend group for I sure. Didn't get yeah. any of it, but yeah. we had a great time. And yeah. um, Greg and Greg doesn't drink. Like, but it what? was perfect. He wakes up early. He got a seats on the deck on the Serenity deck. We always had chairs. Everybody needs a Greg. I have said this for years. <laughs> <It's> Everybody. Fantastic. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Is we that true? A lot of fun. We called. I'm going to hold you guys on that. A lot of fun. It was. We yeah. named the trip "Sorry, Greg" because all of us were. Because you know, when you're with your girlfriends, you're just like saying crazy stuff. I can't that, imagine. Like, oh man! I and just, so we would yeah. say things forgetting that Greg was around and then turn around and be like, sorry, Greg, that because yeah. it was uncomfortable or like <laughs> intimate sure. or weird. And we're yeah. like, I would, we wouldn't share that with Greg normally. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Next time you, if you guys do that again, live stream that shit. <laughs> I was like, you want to go? <laughs> Fuck no, I don't want to go. I want to watch the live stream. Okay. Maybe I'll sit up on the upper deck and watch the live yeah. stream with multiple drinks in my hand. Yeah. But, uh, but it was good. Cool. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. It still doesn't make any sense to me. I kind of forgot. I kind of thought that was maybe like a dream or something. And then no, it's it was like a couple years ago. Y'all did that mm-hmm. shit. All yeah. right. Anything new with you? What's going on with you? Um, I bought a house mm-hmm. and um, it, was, it was built in 1914. And so it's the first house that I've ever owned. <laughs> Not the first house I've ever lived in since leaving my parents. I, I rented a house in Las Vegas for a little bit, but it was brand new. And again, I was just renting. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first house that I've owned and it's, historic and it's big and it's on a third of an acre. I've never even, I couldn't tell you. I think I've mowed a lawn before. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. (laughs) So I'm going to do that stuff. You're going to do the mowing. I'm going to mow grass and things. And, um, I have a barn. I have a two story barn that I think is older than 1914 Mm -hmm. and it's in bad shape, but, um, Greg is storing his motorcycle there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, the, it, and his lawnmower. So I have a lawnmower. Huh? See, this is, a, this is a great friendship. <laughs> it is. Look at that. And um, yeah, so the house is exciting. We're renovating the kitchen. I had to, to get in there. I had to replace all the galvanized pipes. I'm learning terms, right? I was going to say, yeah, I don't even was, know what you're talking yes. about. This oh, is, that makes good. me feel so much <laughs> like, better. I had to replace all the galvanized Like, what? <laughs> I don't really know what that is either. It's just but pipes you, that need replaced. You're killing it. Like, you keep rolling. Well, that's what all, that's what they all do. They all, in, in their industries, they come in and they tell you what needs to happen. And you're like, I'm sorry, that's a different language. And then they're like, okay, let me break it down for you. And they don't really break it down. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how much I've smiled and nodded 
over the, the last four months of my life, and I just have no idea what's going on. But we replaced galvanized pipes. We then replaced knob and tube wiring. That's no old shit. electrical wiring. Um, it's old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge job, and we did that, and then now we are renovating the kitchen and then I'm done for a while, <laughs> thankfully, but, and we've got drywall up. So the fun stuff should start. It's like kind of cleaned up yeah. more now. And, and then the fun stuff will start happening. Wow. Welcome to home ownership. You just jumped into the deep end of the pool. That's what I do with things. That is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what good. you do. You don't do halfway, do you? No. Yeah. And, um, also I'm 34 and, um, I am getting braces. I'm getting braces in the oh. next couple of weeks. My dad was a dentist. Your teeth are perfect. Why are you? I know people say that. They're not perfect. They are pretty good. They really are pretty good. <laughs> okay. 98%. But like, let's go all the way. And get yeah. Got to get that 100%. You don't do anything halfway, right? Okay. But my my dad was a going. dentist yeah. and um, I had a retainer in elementary school that he made for me. So like when I put it, took it out to eat lunch and I set it on my lunch tray and then I dumped my whole lunch tray in the trash can and threw my retainer away five times, Ooh. you know, I mean, <laughs> he just would always make me a new yeah. one. So I had a retainer at one point and then it wasn't though until I was about to be a freshman in high school that he said, Claire, I think you need to get braces. And I said, no. And he said, okay. And so here I am <laughs> at 34 <laughs> jokes on me. I'm going to get braces. Do you actually need to get braces or you just want um, to get braces? You know, there are certain times when I look in photos or videos or in the mirror a certain way, and I don't like the way I had Invisalign. I got Invisalign first, and I didn't like the results of the Invisalign. It made my teeth look a lot shorter than they are. And then it, this one tooth that was the one that really bothered me next to my front teeth um, is still pushed back further. And then it jammed it up higher than all the rest of my teeth. So, like, Stupid, subtle things that no one would notice, but I notice. I was going to say, I am so self-conscious about my teeth, Brett. I'm like, I don't even want to. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I understand. I guess I'm going to go to the dentist. I understand that my teeth are in good shape. But um, the orthodontist, it was actually like, this should make, and I, of course they would say this, but the, he, they think it will make a huge difference. And I only have to wear them for like six months. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, yeah, that's good. Maybe nine. It'll probably end up being Of course, nine, it'll be nine. Honest, nine but right? Or two years, but whatever. Right? <laughs> not two years. I <laughs> okay. refuse. A year and I'm done. So yeah. can I tell a funny story about braces? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a true story. It, it's not going to sound true, but I'm not making a word of this up. So I used to be of the faith, right? And I was actually for a time employed at a church. And there were <clears throat> occasions at which I would preach at this church. Unfucking believable! <laughs> Unbelievable! He did a good job, actually. Did you not? You don't? Did you not know this part of my? I, I did, I guess. But, but like, couldn't. So, but now it's just like, what? Okay, so hold okay. tight because this gets weird. So comes time for my daughter to get braces. <laughs> So we, you know, find out who an orthodontist is in the church and take her to get braces. And so we get the initial assessment and, uh, <laughs> so, so we're set up for her to get braces, right? So the guy, the orthodontist, uh, wonderful human being, an incredibly wonderful human being. And, so he asked me to go to lunch and I think, well, of course he wants to go to lunch with me cause I'm fucking awesome. Right. So 
we go to lunch and he says, I have a proposition for you. And I'm like, okay. And he says, if you will pray for my family during the time that your daughter has braces, I will take that as payment. A trade deal. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, it's good, but... Me praying for his... That's how you paid for braces. He kind of got fucked over. And I did... I was so... I told you it was a weird story. (laughs) And I told him, I was like, no, I do not want to do that. I just want to pay for the braces. And he was insistent. And then I'm like, shit, this guy thinks I've got... Well, I couldn't think shit back in those days. I would think, golly gee, this guy thinks that I've got some kind of thing that I don't have. And I still, I need to go pay him for that. I need to like... You prayed for his family though. And that... Greg would tell you, I'm sure, that you don't have to be, you know, an ordained, perfect minister, person, whatever, to talk to God. Yeah, but I think it's, I think we both agree that that's kind of a weird story. Right? It is a super oh, weird story. Yeah, no yeah. question. Okay. Very yeah. Not it's super weird yeah. and funny. So, <laughs> super weird and funny. Yeah. But so, yeah. Anyway. Um, and I still, yeah, I did. But I did do, um, <laughs> I did feel so guilty because at that point in time, my faith was kind of cracking. Like I was, I was like, can you imagine being a preacher and going to people and being like, Hey, if you will do this for me for free, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Like being on the other side and being the one pitching the deal. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that shit happens. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Bizarre. Yeah. So anyway, what I did was, because I was like, I'm scamming this dude. <laughs> like, I don't, my prayers don't work. Um, and I had not rejected the big guy at that point. I was still, you know, in the process of breaking up. Um, so I just paid off a bunch of people's dental debts. Like, oh, that's I nice. couldn't, well, it was guilt. I mean, I just felt so bad about like, <laughs> so I was, I'm like, here, here. How much? How much, I I called like one day and I was like, like anonymously, like what? How much do a pair of braces cost anyway? And so, and so I did do that. Yeah, so okay, well, just, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a mm-hmm. yeah. I got a weird fucking life. You I do. You want to hear? I don't know if you've heard the story about my calling to seminary, but yeah, we'll do that sometime. You'll enjoy that story because okay. it's fucking weird. Yeah. Anyway, so you brought up your dad, yeah, and one of the reasons that I was wanting to have you on is the, we are men trying to be better men. And you had, I mean, fair to say you had a complicated relationship with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I hope I'm prepared to talk about it fully because I haven't thought about it. You know, my dad died 10 and a half years ago. Um, well, yeah. And so it's to the point now where it's not something I think about as often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the perception that I had of him and our relationship was different at the time of his death than it was when I uncovered a lot of things mm-hmm. uh, through therapy and, and working through it. Um, but it, it's definitely been a part of a major transformation in my life, understanding that relationship a lot more. So when did it, when did you go from, this is my dad, he's just my hero to, okay, there's a problem. Like, what was that? 
Uh, so I would say that when I was going into high school, my dad would probably like a lot of, um, teenage daughters and dads, right? He was annoying. Like it was like, I was embarrassed. (laughs) Don't hang out with my friends, but he, it was more because he was drinking. And so he would do, he would be more annoying because he was, had drank too much or something. Mm -hmm. And you knew that at the time you were embarrassed or yeah, just, yeah. he just embarrassed me. Okay. I knew that he had, he was drinking. There was a drinking problem. Yeah. Um, I don't think I had any idea that it was a problem problem that he was drinking so much. Like I didn't know or understand that he was an alcoholic. I just knew that he drank and sometimes acted stupid, mm-hmm. but he was so smart and so cool that, in my eyes, you know, that, um, or maybe in general, but in my eyes that it was like, he could play it off so well, so often. And like, he was not an abusive alcoholic father. Um, we didn't have fights or argue. I mean, and truthfully, he was my person. We had tons of stuff in common, you know, all growing up, we played sports together my whole life. Um, I was a, a good athlete growing up and was typically one of the best players on my teams. And I was a pitcher in softball, so he would catch me. I mean, he would set up big nets behind him mm. so he didn't have to chase all the balls and sit on a stool to keep his knees from hurting. I mean, he would be out there for hours with me. We played basketball in the driveway all the time. Um, so we spent tons and tons of time together. It was just that, you know, I started to want to hang out with my friends more. I had boyfriends and he was annoying that, it, but, but he always had a beer in his hand. Um, and my mom and him fought all the time. And I remember that. So, but I liked my dad more and I didn't, so it was like, um, I didn't understand where she was coming from at yeah, that point. Yeah. Yeah. So was there, when did you realize, okay, this is a problem in his life? Like, this is not... Yeah, uh, probably, honestly, probably more of like a year later when my mom, I was a sophomore when she decided uh, to sit him down and she had his parents come over and they had an intervention and said, um, I think that maybe at this point there could have been some drugs involved, but I don't know all of that. But I know that she sat down with him and said, you have to quit or we can't do this anymore. And he said, well, then we won't do this anymore. And they separated and he moved out and had a condo uh, across town. And he, again, he played it off like things were really good, but I knew that something more was going on. And then I think around that time, it's so hard to remember everything that happened, but I have a younger brother who's four years younger. So his perception of my dad is totally different than mine. Cause I got good years with dad a lot more. And so it was, but when I was a sophomore in high school, I remember my dad would say that he was going to pick up my, since he wasn't living with us anymore, he was going to pick up my brother after school and things. And then when he wouldn't, he would like call me right before he was supposed to pick him up and ask if I could get him. And I actually had, after he died, I found letters that my dad kept that I wrote him pissed (laughs) and saying how much he had let me down and how much he had let Nolan down. Um, oh, he yeah. kept the he kept them. Yeah. We wrote letters to each other a lot. My dad, it was like a way of expressing himself that maybe in the moment he 
he was, we both like express ourselves a lot and talk a lot in person, but sometimes if things got heated, you know, and you couldn't get, say exactly what you meant to. So he would always go back and write things out. Um, so yeah, I don't know why we did that. Now, did that mostly orient around the issue of drinking or just any problems that you would have as no, I think Father, we were just, daughter. I think it was just trying to, him trying to communicate with a teenage daughter and me not wanting to listen. And mm-hmm. So like what, what was the separation like for you? Was that like a surprise? Did you see that coming? How did it impact your life? I remember growing up wishing that my parents were divorced. Um, I had several friends that I really liked a lot in elementary and middle school whose parents were divorced and we had a lot more fun with their parents. Like we'd go over to one of, you know, their dad's house or their mom's house and it was just more fun. And with my parents, it was like, I don't remember thinking that they had problems. I just remember thinking this isn't fun. Yeah. Um, Something about like, something about this is not fun. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So... And I, I didn't get along with my mom. I, I, I kind of mentioned that growing up. Um, but she was dealing with this side of my dad that I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, I... Um, That's interesting. I don't want to sidebar too much, but I think it is important because there, you know, to hear you say growing up, wishing my parents would get divorced and... And I don't think that that's something that is talked about enough, but the research is pretty clear on this, that divorce in and of itself does not affect children. What affects children is how the parents respond to the divorce. And in in very tense situations like that, like children can be relieved. They yeah. can be relieved that the fucking chaos is over, that the te- like they're not in the middle of the tension and then if the parents act like adults on the other side of divorce and don't pull the, them ki- their kids into the middle of it, uh, it, it can have a positive effect. And yeah. that's interesting for you to see that positive effect in your friend's relationship and then thinking, I wish I, wish I had that piece at home. Yeah. Is, yeah, is it interesting. Wasn't, there weren't fights happening all the time. Like it wasn't a toxic... Um, it wasn't toxic in the way that you think of it. Like there weren't, there weren't loud arguments that I was aware of all the time. It was just like, there was an unhappiness under the surface that I was subconsciously picking up on. Right. Um, but I, and I think that's as important is that it wasn't this overtly, yes, you know, obvious toxic thing. It was less overt and yet you still felt the tension and I think parents oftentimes delude themselves into thinking that their kids don't know or that their shitty marriage isn't having a really negative effect on their children's experience or that that's better than splitting up right and you know to this day I do hate divorce um I I really don't want that for my own life. Like really, maybe more than other people. Um, having the, the separate holidays and doing all that stuff, it's just, it's so complicated. Um, yeah, and a healthy relationship is 
definitely the most favorable outcome. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't like a promotional for go get a fucking divorce. It's don't be delusional, exactly. right? Yeah. Don't think that your unhealthy marriage, the silent resentment that you and your spouse have for each other is going unnoticed because it's not. And, you know, not to speak for my parents, obviously their interpretation, I, I was very close with both of them and had at that point as a sophomore, I was having conversations with both my mom and my dad separately about their marriage, their failed marriage, the other person. I think they wanted to keep me out of it more, but I was a mature 16 year old, you know, (laughs) and I was seeing it and I was aware and I kind of wanted to have the conversation. So it was hard to keep me out of it. Um, I forget exactly where I was going with that initially, but I think that um, they wanted for years, like they both knew not long after they got married that this was going to be tough to make it work. But then I came along and then my brother happened and my mom was from near Indianapolis and my dad, I mean, he even would tell me that he was afraid that if they separated that she would move us back up there and didn't want that. So it was like they hung on, they tried, they tried, they tried. Um, until it was just like my dad's drinking got so bad that my mom couldn't tolerate it anymore. Did, did it look like the drinking was causing the tension or the tension was promoting the drinking? I don't know if you can separate that. I think it depends on which one of them you well, asked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so both. But yeah. I think my mom, my dad was always a heavy drinker, partied a lot in college. And then after they got married, when she thought maybe things would settle down more, he continued to go out golfing with his buddies, uh, would have them over. She worked night shifts in the, um, oh, what do you call it for babies? The unit, natal unit, neonatal. So anyway, she worked night shift at the time. And I remember she said one time she came home to my dad and his buddies in the basement, all smoking cigars and me hanging out in one of the little seats that bob up and down. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> she was super pissed, but it was just stuff like that from the beginning, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, And then she would be resentful and pissed. And then for him, my mom can be um, kind of cold. And so he never got the, I don't know, um, the congratulations. He he was a a dentist and he had a a patent on a dental instrument that he spent a lot of time on and was really excited about. And she didn't seem to care and he couldn't figure out why she didn't care and it was upsetting to him. But she didn't care because she's pissed because you just... Yeah, drove with an uh, an open beer in the car with your kids. You know what I mean? There was yeah, always right. it was always this circle. It's hard to know stuff. which is the chicken and which is the egg yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah. So did the separation it, it, did that affect the closeness to your dad, or did that was it just the relief and like now I don't have to be in that tension anymore? Yeah, that's a a time of my life that I don't remember super well. I think that it. I was there for my dad. Like I was that, that's probably when I really became his support system. Um, and so there were times when we talked a lot more because of that. And then there were times where, again, he would fall short, uh, like he would promise that he was going to do something and then he wouldn't. And that happened a lot more once he wasn't living in the same house as us. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I think the drinking probably got worse things like that got worse as he was living alone mm-hmm. instead of living 
with us. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Relationship probably got worse um, for a couple of years after that, but I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. I was busy. I was living my own life. You know, yeah. my freshman year of high school, I fell in love with a junior who played football um, and he ended up getting his ex-girlfriend pregnant like four months into our relationship. And I, but I loved him. So it was like me, 14, barely 15 years old. <laughs> and that was my first serious relationship. Um, so I was caught up in all that. Yeah, I was caught yeah. up in those things. I was still, I was playing, trying to play basketball on the varsity team and having friends and dealing with those, you know, so it was like, so who dad was just, so did, do you go to dad in that time? Like, I don't think I does went he to dad know what's lot. going on with that yeah. relationship and, mm-hmm. um, and he's just not available. He was around for a lot of that. I mean, I think I definitely tortured him with that relationship. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, that was my boyfriend. <laughs> really? That's who I was going to date. <laughs> um, you know, he wanted a lot better for me. He was also afraid that if he banned me from seeing him, that I would do the exact opposite. Oh yeah. Um, is that true? Cause I'm a psycho. Like with my daughters, when, when they dated below what I, my acceptable standard, yeah. my response was always, I can't keep you from seeing them, but I can make your life fucking miserable. Yeah, no, he didn't take that route because he felt like he would have done anything to get around that himself. And he thought that I was the same way. Um, And I remember him having those conversations. It's not like he just let me hang out with him all the time. But yeah, uh, when I look back, that it was to me, that's a dumb approach. He should have kept me from seeing him. Okay, that's good. Because I don't. I hear parents talk about that shit, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You're the parent." Like, yeah, I mean, look, I would have, I definitely would have tried to still see this. Guy. No doubt. I Absolutely. mean, because I at that but age, I would have done that too. But guess what? Your life is going to fucking suck. Exactly. So exactly. game on. And if when I think about myself as a parent and thinking about the things that I was doing at that age, like I will be a psycho parent. Sorry, kid. It's not happening. Well, and my kids know that I got enough crazy in me. Like, they're like, fuck, (laughs) dad's going to win that game. So we might as well end it. And with a couple of relationships, I was like, okay, here we go. But you know what? If he wasn't an alcoholic and he wasn't relying on that, he probably would have been a totally different dad at that point. Yeah. Do you think about that? uh, What he would have been? Like, how much do you feel like you got to know your dad without alcohol versus your dad, the alcoholic. Yeah. Um, I think like I knew him deep down. We had like, there was a, a maybe, and that's just a, a, some kind of father daughter connection, but we, we had a deep connection. Like we were just buds. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get the real him when I needed it. And you might not have known to be able to tell him apart because you hadn't seen it. Right. So, yeah. Right. And again, it's hard to remember some of these things. Like, because yeah. when he died, my perception at that moment was sure he had his flaws. Yes, he was an alcoholic. Yes, he missed some certain things, but I had the best dad ever. Mm. And then it was like, after I started really breaking down certain things, it was like, no, (laughs) like 
I'm actually pretty pissed at him. Yeah. Um, so I've gone through all those emotions too. Yeah. Well, it, you mentioned earlier about him spending a lot of time with you, you know, especially with athletics and stuff. So I mean, that probably shaped your feelings towards him to where this is a great dad. He's, yeah. he's there for me on things that I like to do. Yes. And I mean, really from the youngest age, I mean that we, we did, we did all those things together all the time. Yeah. So I just, I do think that that kind of shaped my view of him. And then it was like, I got into middle school and high school and I wasn't interested in my parents anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, in hindsight, I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but not interested in the, in them or not as connected to them as like, I know at that point it's more like, is that a fair question? Yeah. Right. I think that I wasn't connected to them based on who they were what they were doing and also just you know i was interested in other things too yeah but i think yeah when i know plenty of people that had great relationships with their parents growing up despite also being interested in other things right yeah it almost sounds like you were the parent in the system yeah for sure did it feel you know what's really interesting is um my grandparents on my dad's side split up when I was really young and my grandma finally left my grandpa. Like she needed to for a long time and it was really hard and she finally got out of the relationship. Um, and my grandpa was a great guy, but there, there was a lot of, there were a lot of issues in that relationship and she needed to get out. And she finally did. And apparently one time when I was like four years old, we were at the ballpark and granny and I went to the bathroom and I looked at her and I said, granny, you really just need to take Pa back. He just loves you so much. <laughs> and like kids say stuff like yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. But like, that's so me. That's so me to try and get involved or to like see things and think that I like, you know, I was super involved in my parents' marriage and relationship at that point. From earliest memories? I mean, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember constantly, especially with my dad. I always connected with my dad because we had so much in common and then he was always struggling with my mom and so was I. <laughs> yeah. So, that was a bond right there. It was. I was like, mom's crazy. Why is she upset? She's yeah. so upset about yeah. something today. And it's not like you just started out life saying, I want to control everything around me. It's just, that was a necessity. I need to take care of these relationships. I mean, you didn't, but right. you, you felt. Well, in, in a sense... You do though, right? Because it's about, it goes back to survival, right? I'm dependent yeah, right. on these people for survival. And, and that, that again, this is like one of my pet peeves about parents and just how delusional they can be about how their behavior affects their children. And that sense that you have to take responsibility for their relationship. Yeah. But it's so weird because. Again, my dad was a dentist. My mom was a nurse. We lived in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. I had everything that I needed and a lot of what I wanted. So, uh, and they didn't, There again, there wasn't like crazy toxic fights. I never witnessed my dad get wasted and blow up or anything like that. Um, and yet you still knew. Isn't and that, yet I still knew. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So then dad... Dad dies. What? What? Yeah, what so was that experience, and how? What was that like? My dad, um, just to be fully transparent, so he 
was a dentist and he was reported for drinking on the job during the day. And so the, uh, they threatened to take away his dental license unless he went through therapy. And so he went to a, a place in Chicago, very expensive, and was there for a long time. And that was my freshman year at IU um, when he entered treatment. I remember him coming to visit me at IU one time. And I remember thinking, I have never seen my dad like this because he'd been clean for weeks. Yeah. Um, and it was a different, like, it was this a is totally a different, different person. person. But he was sad. I remember that. Like, he was clear, and we were able to have conversations, but it was like something was different where he was really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so he got out of treatment. He went back to being a dentist. Um, I was a sophomore in college at that time. He used to talk about a lot that he didn't enjoy being a dentist. It's hard. No one likes going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. And so... Except you, apparently. Um, getting, yeah getting braces well you know when your dad's that's a dentist child. and you go up there you're that's very comfortable your, that's your roots right yeah. okay the office was my play zone i went i walked in owning the shit i was like this is mine make me another retainer bitches <laughs> exactly so uh yeah he used to always say that he didn't like it but i think what was really going on is all of his friends drank all of his best friends all of my um the guys that I knew that he, he ran around with that were professionals and that other people knew and liked, I mean, they, they all went golfing and drank. And, you know, our friends, my brother's friends, dads that he ran around with, they all, that's what they did on the weekends. That's what they, and my dad couldn't be around it. And it was really lonely mm-hmm. and horrible for him. Yeah. And so I was there for him through that. And then, but then eventually he, you know, alcoholics are pretty good manipulators. And again, he's really smart. So he was like, I am really not fulfilled being a dentist anymore. And so I'm going to do something different. I was like, really? He quit because he didn't want to have to go get tested anymore. And he wanted to drink again. Mm-hmm. But he um, he quit dentistry. He went and was a, a teacher at a community college mm-hmm. for a while, um, about two and a half hours away. So he wasn't with us or around us as much. I mean, I was in college. My brother was in high school. but um, And then he started drinking a lot, you know, it was like gradual, it was like drink, drinking back yeah. a little bit and then it was a lot. And then, um, I don't know if he quit or if he lost his job, hmm. but that ended at the community college. He moved back here. He was on unemployment for a while. He was dating a woman who was an alcoholic. Um, the summer before he died, I remember it has been a couple years after I graduated or soon after I graduated college, I remember saying to my brother, if we don't talk to dad, like something bad is going to happen. And that month he died. Um, he had a heart attack in his sleep. It was because he tried to quit on his own. Mm. So he didn't go into rehab. He called my grandma. She went and stayed with him. Uh, they had like a great day last day together, went and got ice cream. And he talked about how he was so excited to make us proud. And he was finally going to quit. And, you know, mm. went and made the child support payments and things. But I mean, you talk a man about a man that was humbled. This is a guy making good money, right. spending a lot of money, gambling, mm. vacations. He had all. He had cars. He had the house with the pool. We had it all. And then he went to living in my grandma's condo, driving a piece of shit car, losing his identity as a dentist. You know, um, his family. 
So uh, super sad. So how did you get the news? My grandma called me. I was doing uh, radio at the time. It was my full-time job, and I was doing, I did the night show, so I didn't go into work until like 6 p.m., 5 p.m., and I had taken my dog for a walk. It was a super hot day in July, and I got a call from my, um, from Granny, and I didn't answer it right away. I was playing on my new iPhone, and and she left a voicemail, and I had instantly, before I listened to the voicemail, I had a bad feeling, and I listened to the voicemail, and she was crying, and she said, Claire, it's your dad, um... And so I didn't call back. I just drove over. I knew. And I, I came around the corner, and there were ambulances parked outside. Um, wow. Yeah, crazy feeling. And uh, so I walked upstairs, and um, in that instant, it was it was interesting. There were several people there on the ambulance and all that stuff. And um, I just remember feeling this, like, huge sense of calm. And maybe that comes back to the the control a little bit, like being in control. But like I, I had to just, I don't know, take a step back, and I, I was just taking in the information and having conversations. But it was I didn't sob uncontrollably. I didn't fall down onto the ground. It was like, I don't know. So when did it sink in? Um, I mean, definitely, definitely that evening. Yeah. Um, I remember going to the funeral home to like the first day to plan everything. You know, my uncles are there and my grandma, they're like asking you what kind of flowers you want. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, I don't care about the fucking flowers Mm -hmm. because it's just such a hard thing in, in the moment when you lose someone like that, suddenly you're like, I have to pick a type of flower to put on the casket yeah. like i don't fucking care you could put <laughs> n- I, why do we even need flowers like yeah, yeah. um yeah it's tough it was tough but i will say um i understood funerals in a new way because i had never lost a grandparent at this point mm. you know i had never lost anyone close to me um and so to i i really realized like the why you pay so much for them and why, what they do, but they provide you with so much comfort and closure. Mm-hmm. At least they did for me. Yeah. You know, so many, my dad grew up here, um, was a dentist for probably 20 something years here, knew a ton of people and, and so many people came out mm-hmm. and yeah. brought me pictures and you know, all oh. kinds of stuff. So oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people liked him. Um, so does that soften nice. the blow or what, what is the effect of that? Yeah. Um, I think it just provides some temporary comfort. So then when, when do you go back to life? Life starts to become normal and my dad's not here anymore. When, when does you start to experience that? I don't know. I think that the first several months were blurry. It was like, and almost you view time differently like you see life differently. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take long to forget <laughs> and sink back into to normal thinking, but, um, Fucking also, society, they don't want you, but they, yeah, they you know, shove you back right back into, and uh, I remember thinking that I remember thinking <clears throat> my life just changed drastically, but no one else's did. So it's like <laughs> yeah. no one, you know, everyone says they're sorry and everyone comes to the funeral and then everyone else goes back to real life and you're left dealing with yeah. the empty void. Yeah, that, that's the common thing people say is that the whole world just changed. In your yeah. life, of course, it did, and no one noticed. 
Yes. You know, they notice for a few days, and then after that, it's like, oh, you're just going about your business? Right. That's what I detest about this culture. Like, it's like we just can't get them in the ground soon enough, and we can't move on quickly enough, and we just so quickly forget that people are trying to find, figure out which way is up. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, experiencing a lot of signs, I guess is a good way to describe them after my dad died. We listened to music all the time together. That was like our thing. Cool. And it was a lot of the classic rock. So it was like he would, his fun favorite thing would be to quiz us on different bands. Like, is that the who or the guess who? Or is that? That's solid. um, That is solid right there. You know, we would know when it was Mick Jagger, if like you could just tell by the way the lips sounded (laughs) in the song. (laughs) Um, And so certain songs would come on at certain times. Like my dad has one brother each and one older and one younger. They both have a son that's the same age and they both had their first child uh, at around the same time in the same month. And when I went over to meet them, both of these babies for the first time, I left, you know, and, and our whole family is there except my dad. And I got in the car and um, Leonard Skinner's Freebird was on, which sounds so, it's like such a cliche song. Yeah. Like it's so stupid. Yeah, but if ever there were an apropos time for that, like is that? But it was like, that was, it's also like such a goodbye song to me from my dad because it talks about like he's finally free, right? And like, if I stay here with you, girl, things could never be the same. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's just, <laughs> That's deep. It, it is. And as Jeez, soon girl, as I give got me in, some warning on that one. I know. <laughs> um, Not too many guests make Jeff cry, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I do, I, I felt, so at that point I did, I felt a lot of closure as sad as I was and like as hard as it was. And I wanted to pick up the phone all the time and call him and like, mm-hmm. even though he was a shit dad, for what I needed, he was still around. I could still call him. Mm-hmm. He may not be as available. You know, he would cancel on me all the time. Um, but if I needed something, if I was buying a house, you know, I, he would be there with me through the process. He would, if I had something going on at work with a boss and I didn't know how to handle it, I would talk to him and I would trust him. Those are conversations that even with my mom, who's sober and wonderful, uh, that we just don't, we aren't the same. We don't have those same conversations. I don't, I don't turn to her like that. My dad, even as an alcoholic, even if he had been drinking, <laughs> I could catch him and we could connect. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so I, I, yeah, I, I totally miss that, but I, I felt a lot of comfort and peace in the fact that he, he died trying to mm. quit. Yeah. Um, and he died sober. Um, so, yeah, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah. Not that he died, but that... In, in those terms, in the, like, I mean, people die, and I think about people that die in terrible accidents, or yeah, if he would have gone any other yeah. way, he had gotten several DUIs. If he would have killed someone and killed himself in a car accident, you know what I mean? Like, sure. So I, I did, in the way that he went, um, it softened the blow. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say are the best things that your dad gave you and what are the things that you feel like you missed out on? I think that my dad, um, who knows if this is like some of it was my personality already or if it was, you know, 
just experiences that he kind of helped shaped. But I was, um, he came from a family of boys. Everyone loved sports. Everyone was playing sports all the time. And then I was the first girl in the family. I was, oh, I was never the princess. And, um, I mean, I was treated, (laughs) (laughs) but I never felt like, like he, I was always tough. I was just as tough as everyone else. I was the same as everyone else. I was as good as everyone else. I was as smart as everyone else. I was stronger than everyone. You know, I mean, I was always his big strong girl, which is funny because I'm tiny. Um, (laughs) But I think he instilled this sense of self-confidence in me that I don't see in a lot of other Mm -hmm. friends, a a lot of other women my age, or at least I didn't growing up, you know? Um, I always had that. I always, when I, you know, growing up and in middle school and high school, girls are mean and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I went through plenty of hard times with that. But when girls were mean to me, I was, I felt okay enough to go, well, fuck you. Instead of meeting their weird demands to be a part of the friend group. Right, right. Or compromising who I was or what I wanted to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I credit him with a yeah. lot of that somehow in all the messiness he made you feel secure and uh, loved you know to where yeah. you had that self-esteem because so many people with uh, alcoholic parents you know they're they're insecure and have a low self-esteem you know it's like and he, he put that into you so that's that's yeah. great and i think too one of the things about my dad for better or for worse was he always was honest and he always said what he thought Um, and you know, alcohol brings that out too, (laughs) (laughs) but he, that was his personality and it's 100% mine. Mm -hmm. And whether, and whether again, I got that from him or whether we're different, but we just were both kind of alike in that way. I, you know, I don't know, but, um, I have a very assertive personality that I like a lot about myself. And I think that I got that from him. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like, how do you feel like is alcoholism, those things affected you? Um, I think that, God, that's so hard to say. I would say a lot. I would say a lot. And um, I think feeling like I was the parent, you know, when I was taking care of him and being his mentor and like listening to him going through, you know, that was when I think back on that, like really not an ideal situation and, and set me up for failure down the road. You know, um, I think that I have made a ton of, I'm, I'm single at 34 and have dated a lot of shitheads (laughs) and, um, and I have never been able to figure out why, because I'm like, I'm smart and I am self, I'm confident and I know what I want. So like you, I don't feel like this makes sense. Um, and I'm also not dating a lot of alcoholics because I knew that sometimes that can happen. So I was like, what's the pattern here? And, you know, Jeff definitely helped me with this, but um, a lot of that stems from my relationship with my dad. And you could probably go speak to that more eloquently than I could. Well, and but I think the most important thing is that people hear that it affected you yeah, in ways that, and part of what you and I have talked about in the past, right, is like, it's that natural tendency, almost a subconscious draw to go save somebody. 
Right. It just becomes like, oh, here's here's more of a project rather than a partner. And that part of it, yeah, we, we can talk more about that. Um, but I think the most important aspect is that the choices he made matter. And right. yeah, I mean, in, in my relationships in that first, that first boyfriend that I had in high school that I had no business dating. So that I'd, I beat, cont- I'd beat his ass and sat in jail smiling. Yeah. Like. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I or maybe not. I don't know. He might have been a stud, and maybe he would have beat my ass. But I would have, I'd have gone down trying. Like <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I got some crazy in me. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think you know. Yeah. Not, not being around. <sighs> he was a lot more absent in high school when I was. Then as an independent person thinking I was making good choices for me that looking back, maybe I, I should have done things differently, you know, but I didn't have a parent that I firmly Mm -hmm. depended on and trusted to guide me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if he was still here and he was still an alcoholic, it, it would be, like I, I would love to have my dad back, you know, yeah. but realistically, if I had kids, would I feel comfortable with them staying at grandpa's? Right. Probably not. Right. And those conversations would be terrible and hard. And we'd constantly be going around about that. And, um, you know, would he drink too much at my wedding or like all of these things that would have been really frustrating and hard to deal with. Right. Would it be, would it be my ideal or would it be much less than my ideal? So buying your house didn't, you didn't have dad to go to. Oh, there's a million things like that. A million things like that, that I really still need my dad for. And I, I, it sucks. I've got a great stepdad um, who is interesting because my mom remarried and I remember thinking like, cool, good for her. You know, like, I'm glad she found someone. I never thought about it as like me getting a stepdad, <laughs> but he has stepped into that role and it's been amazing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he, he'll like call me and say, hey, do you need me to do anything at your house? And it's like Saturday. And I'm like, Dan, <laughs> go do something fun. Why are you calling yeah. me? But also, yeah. can you ha- help me hang blinds? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like dumb yeah. Stuff he, like that. He certainly seems to care about you a lot. And yeah. Coming over, I guess the first week you're in your house, changing all the locks, putting in double deadbolts. It's like yeah, dad okay. stuff. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, it would be different too if my mom and I had a lot in common and, I, and we were really close, but we're not. So I'm, and I love my mom. She's she's great, and I'm not saying we're not close at all, but she's just not. My dad and I could talk about anything, and it's just like to to have that person and then to lose it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, sucks. So if you, from your perspective, okay, this this is your chance. If you were going to give dads, if you were going to get on their ass about something, if you were going to give them a piece of advice from a daughter's perspective, what would you say to them? Uh, You got to quit drinking first. I I mean, like, I don't mean that you can't enjoy a a beverage, but um, I see it destroy way too many people way too many people, specifically men. And I, I think that it ruins relationships 
And, um, I mean, so many guys, right? Like, it's, it's just what you do. Like, you go out, you gamble, you, you go play golf. It's like a part of every activity. And um, I think it inhibits your ability to be present. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't present, you can't have quality relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no matter what device or even just any activity. Well, and that, yeah, if I could expand that just a little bit, I'd say if you're a dad and you have a problem that you know you need to deal with, fucking deal with it. Yeah. Because you're not it, fooling your kids. Exactly. And, and <clears throat> it's not just your life anymore, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's not your life anymore. It's you brought someone else into this life and they need you and don't have an, another option. There's not an alternate. There's not a stand-in for right. your role. So it's like, um, and there's no relationship that's better than that. I mean, there, there's no other relationship like that. Right, right. So it's just such a shame to waste that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that is just spot-on advice, and that's one of the things that, I mean, through this podcast, through the other things that we try to accomplish is to help men with that to if you've got a fucking problem deal with it like and we all do right we've all i mean i I deal i deal with my shit um yeah i mean we all have to do that but fucking deal with it man because your daily choices are having an exponential impact And and so many guys think or people right think that um they've got it under control I still, I'm still going to places I need to go. My dad was such a great functional alcoholic for so mm-hmm. long. And he was, and then, the, and then you manipulate the situation, right? And it's, it's, you've always got an excuse for everything and you can find a way to make it work and you still show up to this. And like, it's not enough. You know, deep down if there's a problem. Uh, so. And this comes from a guy who likes to drink. I mean, I like to drink a lot and the, the biggest problem is that we're already socially engineered, right, to not do vulnerable emotions. And especially when our children are in adolescence, they're fucking maniacs. I mean, and, and they're making choices that matter. They're making choices about sex. They're making choices about their relationship with substance abuse, experimentation, all of those kinds of things. And we can't have anything in our life that keeps us from being able to totally enter in to that. And what happens, like with your dad, so he's, you know, in denial about his drinking. Because I've got a secret, I've got to keep my distance. I can only get so close to you. And damn it, man, you're not fucking fooling anybody. Claire's parents didn't fool her. No one does. Because the kids, they have to survive they are so profoundly aware of everything that is going on in their environment. Deal with your shit. Deal with it. You, the rewards, raising my kids, and I got two daughters, man, and I'm headed to Chicago next week. It's my middle daughter's birthday, and and we're going to be fucking maniacs. And it, it is 
unlike anything that I have ever experienced, to be able to talk to them about anything. And for for them to call just to call, oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I had to get used to that, right? Because yeah. I'm a bit task oriented <laughs> and I'm always like, so what's up? And they're like, just calling to talk. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't really do that. But okay. okay. And especially now with FaceTime in, they're all, and it, there was a learning curve there. But then for them to call just to call, just to talk, just to yeah. whatever, I mean, and again, this is from a guy that loves bourbon. Nothing fucking compares to that. Show the fuck up. Wow. Well, can I ask Claire some questions, lighten things up towards the end here? Uh, we'll see. Uh-oh. We'll, we'll <laughs> venture in. I'll see out. if you <laughs> so, see what happens here. Uh, Claire, I want you to tell us uh, uh, maybe the the best compliment you ever received and, and also the insult that you received that you were proud of <laughs> something because i know you've got those <laughs> an insult i received that i'm proud of wow a characteristic that's about you that you go yeah that's true i like it <laughs> oh um yeah i mean i think a lot of people would would say that i'm really direct mm-hmm. and sometimes that is off-putting but i really appreciate it about myself yeah right. and it, it um yeah, it's a quality that I, I really like in other people too. But I definitely, it does me a lot more favors, I think, than it does harm because I deal with way less bullshit. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, uh, I couldn't have phrased it like you did, but I know I've asked you questions before and I know I don't have to wade through you trying to be careful about my feelings or someone else's feelings. You don't want to hurt them, but it's like, yeah. here, here's the truth. We can get on to the next question. There's something about being honest. I think I think that's yeah. what it is as much as anything. It's Cause I am, I'm not like some people are really blunt in a mean spirited way, sort mm-hmm. of like your feelings be damned. And I'm not that way. Right, I right. just am really honest yeah. and maybe sometimes say it more forthcoming than others. The truth is like a fine wine. It has a taste that does not appeal to children. It is not <laughs> our fault if you are a child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, but I will say like as a, as a woman in a male dominated industry and as, as um, I was younger in management roles and also, yeah, one of a few women, which was challenging all the way around. Um, yeah, that was, that was a constant. Oh yeah. That's been a battle for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't dislike it. I wouldn't change it. Right, right, right. That's good. Um, what was the other question? Well, your favorite compliment. Mm. Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I do remember one time that, um, I've had several people actually tell me that I sound taller than I am. So that's a, <laughs> that's a I don't know that that's a compliment, but it's an interesting comment. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, you do have oh. Someone said I'm prettier than I sound, which was not, that was not yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that a compliment or not? It does not feel like a compliment. Yeah. That was a hater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. insecure. I'm, I won't say what I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got more a, trivia questions for well, I, Claire? I, I don't weird. want to push them on her. I just. Uh, that's okay. Go through. To, yeah. I just wanted to. Bring that up, um, you know. Like, was that so fucking left field, or did I miss a connection? I, I, it's but, hard to make a transition from where we were. So, give me that. Oh, much. okay. Yeah, well, anyway. I would agree with that. Uh, okay. Well, here's another question: If you could have <laughs> coffee with a historical figure, you know, and just talk about whatever, who would that be? Um, I don't know a lot of historical figures. <laughs> 
Okay. We're not uh, I, I think he's saying someone who died. Like that's probably the only. That's yeah. That's just someone who died. Yeah. An ex. What about anybody? Anybody? If you could have one of the apostles. <laughs> anybody? You know. Um. I would not recommend the apostles. That would be fucking boring. But that's just one man's perspective. Yeah, Greg. I don't know any anybody like. That's so, you know what I come, what my issue with stuff like this, this is a, and something I deal with regularly. There's just too many damn choices. I can't yeah. pick one. I'm sorry. I should have. <sighs> Everything's an option. Fucking, do you know how stressful the grocery store is for me? Is it stressful? Oh. What? I'm not qualified. Like there's a row of crackers. Yeah. Like or a whole aisle, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You what gotta the get fuck Instacart. am I supposed to do? Instacart. <laughs> he I'll doesn't like making that. the choices. He just wants. Crap. Should I sit down to watch Netflix and I end up more time scrolling through oh, the yeah. fucking th- yeah, trying yeah. to pick a thing yeah. than oh I just yeah, back in it. the good old days when there was like four channels and like well that's what you're watching and yeah. Yeah. yep you're gonna sit through a commercial and <laughs> I don't know anyway. Sure. One right. thing that's true about me is that I'm bad at question open ended questions like that um, because you go through a lot of those things in radio. Like, um, cause we ask the audience a lot of those questions. You've got to be prepared to talk about them, but like, I don't have a phobia. I don't have, uh, snakes. Like there's just Turn nothing like snakes. that. When yeah. we ask people that someone said cotton balls and, um, corduroy, <laughs> those are ones that stand out to me as something that they're afraid of. Oh, okay. Like if I went towards them with corduroy or a cotton ball. Yeah. Like cotton, a lot of people, <laughs> they got bigger problems. Um, than freak that. out about cotton balls. The, the, texture of them the feel of them pulling them out of a medicine oh, yeah. uh, that's that is a little i can feel that whenever that yeah. little whatever that friction is <laughs> i'm not entirely comfortable with that i wouldn't say phobic but yeah yeah, yeah. i've got no more questions i'm just bombing on the questions this reminds me of small talk so just forget it well, I you're the one that asked. Can I? If I would have known that was going to happen, I would have said no, Greg. We're just at a good place. Um, I think um, edit that part out. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. Thanks, yeah. We didn't add a lot to. I didn't have much to add. That's my yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good. I know next time Eric will do some good. If you had to sat down with, that's like person, a front end thing. Yeah, what and would you asked them, and that's more of like a front end thing. That's not well, like a back end thing. Stuff. We just well, we did the braces story. Yeah, we did. That was you telling the story. I thought it was solid. And then you just this is what front end we talked. Did you guys patronize me on the fucking braces story? No, no, that was good. That was good. I, I yeah. used to trust you people. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap this up real quick, and then we'll shoot, shoot the shit. Okay, uh, Claire, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story and giving us a glimpse of who your dad was uh, and maybe some ways who he wasn't um, and. You still owe me, so you will be back. <laughs> I will be back. And, you know, I think that um, – thanks for having me on. I don't know that I did my um, dad's story total justice, but I think that if – I think he would be proud of me for telling his story if it could help other dads be better dads. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, best of luck with your house and with your podcast studio. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, your, I'll and let you know when I need more help, Greg. Okay. And your braces. We uh, hope you have good luck Get with this braces. that last tooth in line. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next Thank time you. on the podcast. Thank you.
Mei.